Welcome to the show. Today, we're going to talk about what happens when a person sells their soul. It never works out for them. Uh, we should have learned that by now throughout human history. Certainly, it doesn't work out in the long run, but um, even, in the, even in the short run, it doesn't work. An actress uh, was bragging this week about having killed her child, bragging that it helped her career in Hollywood. Uh, she traded in her baby. She traded in her soul for a, a career. But let's see how that actually worked out for her. I think there's a lot to be learned for it. From it. Also, uh, five headlines, including the supposedly controversial execution of Nathaniel Woods last night. He was executed for uh, the killing of three police officers. Now, his supporters say that this is wrong. He should have been executed because he didn't pull the trigger. But should that actually make a difference? We'll talk about that. And your emails, including uh, one of uh, an email about the new Taylor Swift song. I don't know if you've heard this one or seen the video, but it's absurdly dumb, even by her standards. And uh, it illustrates, it's a very anti-man song, and it illustrates how feminists see men, which is they see us like cartoon villains. So we'll talk about that. And, oh yeah, um, MSNBC. There's a, a segment on MSNBC. I'm going to be canceling MSNBC today, finally. Should have done it long ago. Uh, because they aired what may be the dumbest segment ever to make its way onto cable news. And I understand what a statement that is. But I think I can back it up, and we'll get to all of that coming up. Now, uh, we spoke yesterday about the uh, pro-abortion protesters in D.C. Uh, losing their minds over a case that, if decided the right way, which is against them, would simply result in uh, abortion clinics having to follow the same regulations that any other medical clinic has to follow, having to have uh, admitting privileges at a local hospital in case there's a, a medical emergency, which does happen. Happens hundreds of times across the country every single year in, in abortions. Not surprising, given what the what the abortion procedure entails. Uh, but uh, but but that's we're told we, we can't have those kinds of regulations because, as we talked about yesterday, pro-abortion people they don't take their own propaganda seriously. They say abortion is healthcare, yet they don't want the law to regulate it as healthcare. Now they want they're all they're all about all the other regulations for every other medical clinic, but not not for abortion clinics. Abortion abortion proponents they want to have their abortion cake and eat it too. They want to present child murder as a legitimate medical procedure while reserving the right to go into spasms of of fury and anger if anyone proposes a law that actually treats abortion as a legitimate medical procedure. That's because abortion for them is not actually medicinal, despite what they say. It's sacramental. It's religious. Senator uh, Gillibrand, was, was, uh, she was on, uh, on cable news last week, and she tied abortion to religious freedom. So it's a matter of religious freedom that women should be able to kill their kids. Well, she was actually telling the truth. It is religious. You know, no law, no policy, no regulation or limitation can get within a thousand miles of this sacred ritual. They're going to defend unlimited abortion with the same satanic uh, enthusiasm that the Aztecs defended their temples of, of, of human sacrifice. It's the same sort, of, same sort of energy that you see. All decency and dignity goes out the window um, because the idol has to be protected at all costs. And that's what we've been witnessing in D.C. this week. Speaking of Dignity going out the window. I played a few clips yesterday of the rally, including um, uh, various uh, speakers uh, getting up there and screaming about abortion, including the infamous one of Chuck Schumer threatening 
the conservative justices by name to try to intimidate them into deciding the case the way that he wants. Uh, but there's one clip I didn't play because I, I hadn't seen it before the show aired. Uh, and I'm going to play it now because there's an important and I think quite sad, quite tragic truth to be found here. Uh, not in what's being said. But I'm going to play it for you. This is the actress, Busy Phillips. Here she is speaking, well, screaming, actually, about her abortion, among, well, other things. Sitting in Los Angeles in my beautiful office of my own late night talk show. Soon I would be driving my hybrid car to my beautiful home to kiss my two beautiful and healthy children and my husband who had taken the year off to parent so I could focus on my career. And I have all of this, all of it, because, because, because I was allowed bodily autonomy at 15. I will not be shamed into being quiet. We will not be shamed into being quiet never again. I will never stop talking about my abortion or my periods or my experiences in childbirth, my episiotomies, my yeast infections, or my ovulation that lines up with the moon. Hmm. Yeah. Um, I, 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 do, I don't even know where to begin. I, I do believe that may be the first time in history that yeast effect infections have gotten applause. You think that's ever happened before? Someone uses a yeast infection as an applause line? She says she's never going to stop talking about her yeast infections, which also, that may be the first time in history that that sentence has ever been uttered. I'll never stop talking about my yeast infections. In what other context would, would anyone have ever said that? Um, now, it, it raises the question of, of uh, many questions are raised, but, but one question is very simple. Why are you not going to stop talking about it exactly? What's, what's the reason for that? Why are you talking about it to begin with? What do your yeast infections have to do with anything right now? And why would you be proud of them? And, and again, what do they have to do with abortion? I mean, whether abortion rights are right or not, how does your yeast infection factor into it? That's like if somebody was up giving a speech at a, at a gun rights rally and, and suddenly said, I have the right to bear arms. Also, I have toe fungus. I have toe fungus and I will never stop talking about my fungus. It is my fungus. But um, this is the mark of a, of a modern feminist that she loves to speak in graphic terms about her body and its functions. And she also wants you to know that all of the things she's telling you, which you didn't ask to hear about and certainly don't want to hear about, are none of your business. Now, as for the abortion, the relevant portion of this, uh, we're going to get to that in just a minute. But first, let me tell you about Legacy Box. You know, it's, uh, it, it's I know as a parent myself, you have so many memories right? Uh, you have so many experiences with your kids. And one thing that, that troubles me, I've realized that my memory is very, is very bad. So I'll, I forget things very quickly. 
And now I, I, I think to myself, like, how many great moments have I already forgotten that I've had as a family and with my kids? Um, well, that's where Legacy Box comes in. It's a way of preserving all those memories so you don't forget about them so that you always have them. Legacy Box is a way for you to easily and affordably and digitally preserve your past so that you have those memories there. The process from start to finish, it's so easy. You just you just pack up uh, everything and send it over. You know, we're talking about uh, old uh, pictures and, and uh, VHS tapes, whatever you have, you send it over. Um, very easy process. The, t- the team digitizes everything by hand and then you receive perfectly preserved digital copy, copies on a thumb, a thumb drive, a DVD, or, uh, or the cloud. Uh, however, you know, whatever's most convenient for you, however you want it. And then you have it there. You can watch it. You can share it. You can enjoy it. You can go back and access those memories if you don't have them in your head anymore, especially. Plus, they keep you up to date with regular email updates throughout the digitizing process. Legacy Box is the world's largest digitizer of home movies and photos and has helped over 750,000 families digitally preserve their, their past. So get started preserving your past today. Go to LegacyBox.com Walsh to get an incredible 40% off your first order. But today, take advantage of this exclusive offer, and you can send in when, when you're ready. Go to LegacyBox.com Walsh and save 40%. You're saving 40% right now if you go to LegacyBox.com Walsh while supplies last. Okay, Busy Phillips uh, says that she's happy that she had her abortion and killed her offspring, her child, because it enabled her to have a wonderful career in a talk show. But, and, and, you know, and I'm not even trying to insult her here. Not that I could be blamed for insulting such a vile, grotesque excuse for a human being. But that's not even my point. That's not my point in pointing out that, you know, the talk show she said that she has, that made the abortion worth it? The talk show's been canceled. It was canceled after one season. And her acting career. Let's take a look at her IMDB page. Uh, she had, she, you know, let's, let's take a look at, at the things she's had roles in. Uh, often bit roles. And I'm going down this. Uh, the Unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt. She appeared in some episodes of that. Uh, a show called Camping. She had a few uh, voiceover roles in American Dad. Drunk History, something called Grizzly Bear Losing All Sense, um, The New Girl, Cougar Town, there, I think I recognize that one, okay, Made in Cleveland, these are all just, a lot of these are just one episode it looks like that she appeared in, um, Don't Trust the B Word in Apartment 23, that was, a, that was a show that was on, it looks like, for one year, and she, she was on for one episode. Uh, and I'm just going down. I'm, I'm trying to find something that would be uh, How I Met Your Mother. She did an episode of that. And just a lot of stuff like that. White Chicks. She was in the, the, the movie White Chicks. Okay, there's one. I remember that movie. Cinematic masterpiece. Here's my point. She sold her soul, killed her child, and this is what she got out of it. A canceled talk show a skit on drunk history, a voiceover on The Reef 2 High Tide. Now, look, of course, even if she had five Academy Award wins and, and her filmography was chock full of, 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 uh, of film classics, it still wouldn't make the abortion worth it. Nothing could ever justify killing a child. No earthly reward, no professional achievement or accomplishment could vindicate that, of course. But 
It just shows you the tragic absurdity of this idea that a woman should sacrifice, literally sacrifice, her children and her family for a career. Because Busy Phillips did that, and she wants us to believe that it was all worth it. Um, and, and her career may be profitable. Maybe she's made some money. I would believe that. But nobody's going to remember anything this woman has done in her career so far. Nobody remembers it now. And this somehow is considered the noble choice to throw out motherhood for this, for this. You know, G.K. Chesterton, uh, he had a great quote where he talks about in our professional lives, um, not just women, men too, we are the same thing to everyone in that we fill a certain role, we do a certain thing. And uh, in that role, in our jobs, when we're clocked in, that's what we are to everybody, no matter what you do. Uh, I mean, even if you're the president of the United States, well, you're the president of the United States. That's, that's what you are to everybody. But as parents, you know, rather than being the same thing to everybody, we are everything to someone or to a few people, depending on how many kids you have. And he, and he points out that, especially with women, this idea that the latter role, where you're everything to someone, everything to your children, the idea that that's narrower and more confining and less noble and less worthwhile is, is ludicrous. It's a lie. It's one of the worst lies that modern culture tells. Our role as parents, um, that role, much more than our role in our job, or Busy Phillips' role in Made in Cleveland is a dynamic, versatile uh, thing, something that will, will make a lasting difference, a lasting impact, something that will leave a legacy. Speaking of legacies. Now, that's not to say that your job is unimportant. I mean, some jobs are more important than others. Some, people, some jobs are basically, are basically completely unimportant, except for, I mean, even in a completely frivolous and unimportant job, uh, if you have a family, that that actually lends uh, uh, import to that job. It, it gives it meaning because at least you're there and you're doing this for your family. So the meaning comes from that. See, the meaning springs forth from that role as a parent, as a husband, as a wife, a, a mother. If all you have is your job to find meaning in, well, that ultimately is going to feel like and it is going to be in many ways a meaningless life. Um, the fact is that whatever you do for a living, probably, you know, you can leave that job and be replaced easily. And nobody will, rem will remember what you did. There may be a few exceptions to this. There are a few people across the world who are exceptions to this. But, but almost all of us, whatever we do for a living, no matter how important we might think it is, you can leave. Eventually, you will leave. You'll be just replaced by somebody, your company, whoever you work for, they're going to find someone to fill in that role and they're going to move forward. And, and you know, no one's going to make, maybe if you were employee of the month or something, you get your plaque on the wall. And so you'll, and that's all you'll be now is just that picture on the wall, if that. But you get replaced and, and it doesn't matter. Now, you leave your role as parent, you're not going to be easily replaced. In fact, you cannot be replaced at all, not fully. And that loss, you know, you think of a father who abandons his children. A father works at a job, leaves the job, who cares? He'll be replaced. No one's going to care or remember. Uh, leaves his kids, though. That's going to leave a hole in those kids' lives forever that they're never going to fully get over. 
Now, I mean, look at me. I write, uh, I write articles. I do podcasts. There are a million people who do the same thing. There are a million podcasts out there. Nobody's going to remember this segment that I'm doing right now. No, by, by the end of, by the time this is over, you probably will have forgotten. By, by the end of today, you'll probably have forgotten it. No one's going to remember it next week, even tomorrow, probably. You know, this show that I'm doing could, could, could disappear. The, the entire show that I'm doing could disappear, and, and some of you would care for 10 minutes. Some of you would celebrate. Uh, but even that celebration would, wouldn't last long. And then you just you move on with your lives. Right? Because what I am to you is uh, maybe I'm something to you, hopefully. But I could be replaced with somebody else. You'll find whatever role I play in your life as a viewer, you'll find someone else to fill that role. Not like that for my kids. Um, so, you know, that, that's, that's what really makes a difference. That what's, that's what makes an impact. So when we encourage people, especially women, and they're the main, one, main ones who are encouraged to do this, to subordinate parenthood and for women to subordinate motherhood uh, beneath the almighty career, when we encourage them even to kill, to murder in order to escape motherhood so that they can focus on their career, we are encouraging, encouraging them to put the more important thing, the more beautiful thing, the more sacred thing below the less important and less beautiful thing. And that makes no sense. And you know what else? It also very clearly does not lead to joy, does not lead to fulfillment, does not lead to happiness. I said this yesterday. You know, look at Busy Phillips there screaming about her yeast infection. Does she strike you as a joyful person? Does she strike you as someone who is fulfilled in her life and happy about what she's doing and feels confident about it? No. Because I tell you, if you feel confident about your life choices, you don't get on a, behind a microphone on a stage and scream about them trying to justify them if you feel confident in them. No, she went looking for that meaning and that joy in, in the career and, and clearly has not found it, which is, which is shocking. You know, I'm, I'm shocked that she can't find meaning and joy in her role as a Karen in White Chicks. She actually played a woman named Karen in White Chicks. That's what it says on IMDb. You know, one other thing here that I was thinking about. Um, think about the message that this sends, and this is all very intentional, of course, but think about the message that this sends to young, young women who are pregnant. When you've got these Hollywood uh, actresses, pro-abortion people, uh, Democrats, people in the media and Hollywood, uh, saying that, according to Busy Phillips, you know, she got all of this, all of these wonderful things she got because, emphasizing, because, because, because of her abortion. So think about the effect that has on a, if there's a young pregnant woman who's watching TV, watching the news, and she sees that. Here's that, and she doesn't need to see it there. I mean, she, she's getting that message everywhere. And certainly if she goes to the Planned Parenthood clinic, that's the message she's going to get. The only way for you as a woman, a pregnant woman, the only way for you to uh, have success in life is to kill your child. You have to reject motherhood. You have to reject this profound power that you have to bring new life into the world. You have to reject that, Thro literally throw it in the garbage if you want to have success in life. 
this, this, this whole part, this whole facet of womanhood, the most spectacular facet of it, reject it, throw it out if you want to have success. You can't, ha- you can't have both. You as a woman, you cannot have both. You got to choose one or the other. Success in life or motherhood. That's the message. As I said, completely intentional. Trying to scare women into getting abortions. And it's not even true, actually. Busy Phillips traded in her child for her worthless, stupid career. Making horrible movies that nobody cares about or will ever remember. But uh, she, didn't even need, she didn't even need to do that. There are plenty of women who have kids, are loving mothers, and have also uh, you know, gone out into the world and, and, and uh, they do other things as well. Maybe it's a job. Maybe it's a, you know, they have, they have a, they're another vocation as well. Um, and, and so they have that kind of success and they can express maybe of you know, women who are very artistic. I think my wife is great. My wife is a very skilled person. She's a skilled mother, but she's got other skills as well that are not directly tied to, to motherhood. She's found ways to express those skills uh, as well as being a great mother. So that is possible. And isn't the empowering thing to say to a woman, if we're empowering women, shouldn't we be saying, you can, you can do that. You, you can be a great mother. You don't have to reject this part of womanhood. And you can also have all that. You, you can have all of that, actually. All right, we're going to move on to headlines here uh, in a moment. But first, Super Tuesday has passed. And according to uh, Joe Biden, Super Thursday is also unfortunately over now. But you're still in luck because right now we're offering 25% off all Daily Wire membership plans uh, using coupon code NeverSocialist. And can I just say, in defense of Joe Biden, that every day is super, okay? That's my motto as an optimist, as you know that I am. Uh, so, uh, if you go to Daily Wire membership plans using coupon code NEVERSOCIALS, you get 25% off. Daily Wire members, and that really makes it a super day for you. Daily Wire members get an ad-free website experience, access to all of our live broadcast and show library, including the Matt Wall Show, the full three hours of the Ben Shapiro Show, access to the mailbag, um, exclusive election insight op-eds from Ben Shapiro. Daily Wire members also get to ask questions when we have these, uh, these, uh, conversations, um, you could take part in the in the you know AMA discussions that we have as well, which are always a lot of fun. Along with all this, of course, you get the magnificent, the irreplaceable, the glorious, the beautiful, uh, the uh, the super natural. I don't know. I'm grasping at straws for adjectives here. Uh, the, anyway, the leftist tears tumbler. It's just a, it's a plastic cup. Let's be honest, but. It's, it's really great, and you can you know drink coffee out of it. Um, and if you haven't already, you can download the Daily Wire app so you get uh, all of our great content on the go. Again, that's 25% off Daily Wire memberships for all plans using coupon code NEVERSOCIALIST. All right, let's go to five headlines. Number one, despite protests from celebrities and media people and Kim Kardashian, et cetera, et cetera, Alabama ex- uh, executed Nathaniel Woods last night. His supporters said that he shouldn't have been executed because uh, even though he was convicted of killing three police officers, he actually did not pull the trigger. Uh, what what uh, happened was the the, three, the police officers were storming the crack house where uh, uh, innocent uh, old Nathaniel Woods was, was, was and uh, they were shot in the process. Well, we also know that Nathaniel Woods, it's not just that his actions led to these police officers being killed although that's true also, but he, he also directly uh, told the gunmen to go and kill the police officers. And then he did, and they're dead. 
The idea that that makes him less culpable is asinine, in my view. It's no different, really, from a woman who goes to a hitman and says, kill my husband. Okay, she's not wielding the murder weapon, but obviously she's just as culpable, if not more so, than the hitman. So uh, he was he was executed, ultimately, and I would say justice was served there. Number two, let's go from uh, justice served to justice not served. This guy, DeAndrean Anderson. Well, let's take a look at what he did last year. Watch this video. So he's finally been sentenced for that. 30 days in jail is what he's getting. Now, I'm not kidding when I say, if I'm the judge, I give him a year in state prison for that. Uh, and it, it's, it's, it's so gratuitous and gross. And it betrays such a disregard for common decency and for other people that, yeah, I would throw him in prison for a year. You're spreading germs. You're spreading disease. You're spreading it intentionally uh, to someone you don't even know. Like, someone's going to buy that ice cream, feed it to their kids, and you've slobbered all over it. Just the, the disregard for other people, I think, is enough to land him in jail. Now, that's, and I say a, a year in jail if I was a judge in the United States under our current system. Of course, under my dictatorial theocratic uh, regime, it goes without saying that the punishment would be quite harsher and more just than that. Uh, what I would do probably in this circumstance is, and I'd have to look at his prior, uh, his his uh, prior convictions, and I'd have to look at his his criminal history. When I say criminal history, I mean, you know, does he lick his fingers, as we talked about? Is is he a Michael Bloomberg? Those sorts of things. So that's going to factor in. But if this was a one-time deal, um, it would begin. He would have his tongue amputated, of course. Then he'd be strapped to the back of a of a donkey with a sack over his head, and exiled out into the desert with two jugs of water. And what happens from there happens. Number three, the assistant secretary of, uh, for health at uh, HHS spoke to the media yesterday with some somewhat reassuring information on the coronavirus. And I also enjoyed this because uh, it proved, proved me right in a lot of the things I've been saying on the show the last few days. We are still very early in understanding and all the evidence isn't there. So I want to caveat that. But uh, to set a gr uh, some foundation, the typical mortality rate for seasonal flu is about 0.1% or 0.15%. The best estimates now of the overall mortality rate for COVID-19 is somewhere between 0.1% and 1%, okay? That's lower than you heard probably in many reports. Why is this? Number one, is because many people don't get sick and don't get tested. So probably for, and this is, uh, reflects the overseas experience, so probably for every case, there are at least two or three cases that are not in the denominator. So I just want to sort of scale that, that it's certainly could be higher than normal flu. It probably is, but it's not uh, likely in the range of 2 to 3%. So our best modeling, again, you have a denominator problem, and I, I want you to understand that, that only the people who are really sick or, or have symptoms come in and get tested. So based on, is, is based on the models we have right now, 
we estimate the mortality as 0.1 to 1%. It is likely not in the range of 2 to 3%. Now, of course, we still take the virus seriously. Nobody's saying that. But fortunately, the, the fatality rate isn't nearly as bad as what's being reported, which, you know, maybe means they should stop reporting it. Maybe the, the news should stop saying that the fatality, the mortality rate is 2 or 3% because it's not. Just a thought. Number four, reading now from a Daily Mail exclusive report, it says Bill Clinton claims that his affair with Monica Lewinsky was one of the things, uh, was one of the, quote, things I did to manage my anxieties. The former president suggests in an explosive documentary seen by Daily Mail TV that he, he had the fling with the ex-White House intern while he was in office because it helped with his own issues. Bill reveals that um, at the time he met Lewinsky, the pressure of the job made him feel like a boxer who had done 30 rounds and uh, he looked at Lewinsky as something that will take your mind off it for a while. He makes the claim in an interview featured in the new documentary series that will air on, air on Hulu about his wife Hillary Clinton called Hillary, where the former first lady and secretary of state candidly reveals that in the aftermath of the scandal, the couple underwent painful marriage counseling. So there you go. There's, there is the casual, even now at this point, uh, the casual cruelty of Bill Clinton. Even now, these many years later, he, he, he's, he's literally referring to, to, this, to a woman, Monica Lewinsky, as a thing. That's one of the things I did. She was one of the things I did to manage anxiety. Just something to take my mind off it. Well, yes, this is a whole other human being, but uh, who cares? Her life was destroyed by it. I mean, think about if you're if Monica Lewinsky, her whole life is defined by this. This is all she, talk about being one thing to everybody, the same thing to everybody. This is who she is. Now, of course, she's actually a human being and there's a lot more to her than this. But as far as the public is concerned, you say Monica Lewinsky, this is the only thing that anybody will ever think about. And that's what he did. And even now, says, yeah, it's just something I did for, just to take my mind off it. You know, could have been this, could have been, could have played ping pong. Just using a, a woman and, and throwing her out. This is, this is how Bill Clinton operates. Um, not a surprise for someone who's good friends with Jeffrey Epstein. Number five, finally, uh, Rachel Maddow went to interview, uh, a, as the kids would say, a very salty Elizabeth Warren. And during the course of the interview, they, of course, uh, mourned the fact that we will not have a woman president. If Hillary Clinton can't win when she gets the nomination, and then you can't get the nomination, and neither can Kamala Harris, and neither can Amy Klobuchar, and neither can Kirsten Gillibrand. I mean, I think part of what's going on today is that women around the country are like, okay, honestly, you know, if it's not, if it's not going to be any of them, let's get real. Is it just, is it just that it can't be any woman ever? Are we just going to run, you know, white men in their late 70s against each other, both parties, and that's all we can agree to do. I think there's a, there's a feeling that your campaign ending is, is, is very specific to you, and it also feels a little bit like a death knell in terms of the prospects of having a woman for president in our lifetimes. Oh, God, please no. That can't be right. You I know mean, what I'm talking about. I know exactly what you're talking about. I know exactly what you're talking about. This cannot be the right answer. Now, I understand that this is very sexist for me to say, but I, I, I have to say, and, and uh, don't take it the wrong way, but I, I don't give the slightest damn whether we have a woman president or not. 
And I think probably Maddow is sensing that most people don't care. And that, and that upsets her. But why should we care? I care about having a good president. We've had a lot of bad presidents. That's true. Uh, am I saying that a woman could never be a good president? No. So run a good woman for president. And I'll vote for her. Not because she's a woman, but if she's the best in the field, in my opinion, I'll vote for her. But, but don't go into this whole, I will never have a woman president woe is me thing after, you know, this, this time around we had Elizabeth Warren to choose from, Klobuchar, Gillibrand, Kamala Harris, last time Hillary Clinton. Put, put a woman up there who would make a good president. How about that for, for an idea? And people will vote for her. But the simple fact of being a woman. And of course, we can, we can get into the fact that these are the same people who say that gender is, is relative and is on a spectrum and it's all fluid. And so there really isn't anything. There isn't anything. There is no such thing as a woman or a man. So that, of course, makes all of this, all of what they're saying, uh, self-contradictory anyway. Okay, let's, let's go to your daily cancellation. Uh, I've, I've been waiting, waiting to do this. I can't wait any longer. Uh, I think today on a Friday, it seems like a great opportunity to cancel MSNBC. And it, it, feel, it feels good to cancel it, not for political reasons or ideological reasons, but just on the basis of sheer, unadulterated, grade A stupidity. In fact, as I said, this clip from MSNBC that I'm going to play might be the stupidest thing you will ever see on cable news. I know that's a hell of a statement. And I know it has so much competition. And I know that future cable news segments will try like hell to top the stupidity of this segment. I know legions of talking heads and cable news anchors in the future will see this as a challenge. And they're going to say, oh, no, I could be stupider than that. Watch me. But I'm telling you, I don't think they can do it. I don't think anyone can do it. Watch. You see it as a possibility if he wants to spend a billion bucks beating this guy, he could do it. Absolutely. Um, somebody tweeted recently that um, actually with the money he spent, he could have given every American a million dollars. got it. Let's put it up yeah. on the screen. It, when I read it uh, tonight on social media, it kind of all became clear. Bloomberg spent $500 million on ads, U.S. population $327 million. Uh, don't tell us if you're ahead of us on the math. He could have given each American $1 million and have had lunch money left over. It's an incredible way of putting it. It's an incredible way of putting it. It's true. It's disturbing. It does, it does suggest, you know, what we're talking about here, which is there, there's too much money in politics. Yeah. This, this reminds me of the time that I won 75 bucks on a scratch-off, and so I gave my parents and all of my siblings $16,000 each. The math checks out. Uh, no, actually, I'm not sure that it does. Uh, so let's think about this. 327 million people. $500 million. If we give a million dollars to each person, if, if we were to line everybody up, every, all three, it's a, a line, 327 million people long, line them all up um, and, and give each a million, we would run out of money by person number 501. The first 500 people are lucky. So they made out like bandits. Everybody else, you're out of luck. That's because 327 million times a million is 327 trillion. You would need $327 trillion to give everybody a million dollars, which is, uh, shall we say, a little bit more than 500 million. In reality, I, you know, with the money that he spent, 500 million bucks, he could have distributed that between 327 million people. That's true. But it would have worked out to what? About a buck 50 
I'm no math genius myself. And so this is part of the way that I know that this is so stupid. That I, I myself am very, very, very dumb with math. I, you don't even understand how dumb I am. I don't even want to tell you the kinds of math problems that I will use my calculator for. Okay? I won't even get into it. My son says, Dad, what's 2 plus 2? I say, hang on a second. Let me grab my phone. Okay? Um, but even I am shocked by the stupidity of this. If you can shock me with your math stupidity, then that, that should tell you something. So, uh, but no, you $1.50 a person um, for $500 million. Uh, I think Bloomberg could have feasibly brought, bought everybody in America a box of Tic Tacs and maybe uh, two gumballs from a gumball machine. Now, granted, that would have been a better use of his money than all of these ads for a, a political campaign that resulted in him winning American Samoa, and that's it. Probably better off with the Tic Tacs and gumballs for everybody, but that's that's all that would have happened. Now, the person who tweeted this originally followed it up, and she said, uh, blah, 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 math, blah, blah. That sentiment I relate to. Blah, 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 math, blah, blah. Uh, that's my argument that I would make to all of my math teachers in high school as I would fail the math tests. Blah, 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 math. Who needs it? Uh, anyway, blah, 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 math, blah, blah. People are telling me my numbers are wrong, but the point still stands. He could easily afford to give everyone a million dollars and literally never notice. Well, no, I think he would notice because again, a million dollars to each person would cost him $327 trillion. He's worth 60 billion. So, uh, so if he were to distribute his entire net worth among the entire population of, 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 uh, of America, um, he, in the end, he would be in the hole about $267 trillion. So he would probably notice that. Um, now, if he were to distribute his own net worth, how much could he give us? This is a little bit better. He could give us all $180. So if he, if he forfeited all of his money, we would all get 180 bucks. And that's, that's not bad. You know, that's, that's, uh, you could, you could do some damage at Best Buy with 180 bucks, or you could go to the grocery store. You could buy easily six or seven boxes of brand name cereal with that kind of money. So that would be great. The really amazing thing here is because I, I'm never surprised by the stupidity of one person. There is no amount, there is no level of stupidity that a person can sink to, or perhaps rise to, um, that would surprise me for an individual person. I understand that the capacity of an individual person to be stupid is infinite, limitless. But when the stupid thing requires the planning and approval of several other people, then that's when it becomes really mind-boggling. So think of how many layers of stupid were involved in bringing this glorious moment to air. You had the original stupid tweet. Um, then you had the woman there and, and also Brian Williams stupidly reading that and not seeing the mathematical difficulties. Um, then there had to be a graphics guy who, who put it up there so it could go on air, a producer. I mean, easily we're talking about at least five or six other people on top of Brian Williams and the person who tweeted it and the woman there. So easily five or six. So we're, we're talking about a total of like nine or 10 people. And none of them, all of them literate adults, all of them college educated, I assume, which only goes to my point about college education, by the way. None of them saw the problem with that. 
But this does at least clarify one thing. It shows why so many people in this country uh, think they should be given free everything, free college, free health care, free housing, and so on. This is a very clarifying moment. It's because they don't understand how numbers work. If you think that $500 million can make millionaires out of 327 million people, then just imagine what you think the government can do with its $4 trillion budget. Imagine what, so it, 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 with, now that we understand that mentality, the, the prominence, the rise of socialism in the United States starts to make sense. Okay, let's go to emails. Mattwalshow at gmail.com, mattwalshow at gmail.com. This is from Patrick, says, good evening, Matt. First of all, I need to share my appreciation for you, uh, who you are, and what you do as a Catholic conservative living in Massachusetts. I sometimes feel as if I'm surrounded by madness. Kafka-esque doesn't begin to describe the sensation. So thank you for being one of the few sources of sanity in what can otherwise seem to be an insane world. With that important feature out of the way, would you mind explaining what motivated your decision to get a tattoo? I've always amused about getting a symbol of my faith as a tattoo, and I've heard some pros and cons. But as a fellow Catholic, I'm curious what brought you to the decision to, one, get a tattoo, two, choose the Cairo, as opposed to a cross or other religious symbol, and three, put it on your forearm. Thank you for your time and for doing incredible work. Have yourself a great evening. Uh, well, as far as a tattoo goes, uh, you know, I, I like the idea of having a just a, a symbol of my faith that would, would be uh, out and on display for, for everybody proudly. Um, it's also given rise to many opportunities for conversations with, with, with people, uh, non-Christians oftentimes when I'm out somewhere and they'll say, what's that tattoo about? And I'll explain it. So I, that gives an opening to talk about my faith. Uh, so I've, I've, in, I've enjoyed having it for that reason. The Cairo, I just, I, I, I like the, uh, how ancient the symbol is. This is the, this is the symbol that was prominent before even, uh, the, the, the crucifix was, was a prominent Christian symbol. And so I like the history of it. And uh, as far as on my arm, uh, I, I think when I was when I was getting that tattoo tattoo and choosing that location, one verse that was in my mind was uh, a verse in the Song of Solomon that says, "Set me as a seal on your uh, on your heart, as a seal on your arm, for stern as death is love." Paraphrasing, I might have botched that uh, verse a little bit, but now obviously I know that that verse is not referring to a tattoo, but still I saw a. Uh, I saw it as a as a, a symbol of that. Now, for the first thing you said about knowing that you're not alone uh, when you're surrounded by madness, well, that's the thing is that really we, we aren't alone, and there there are as sane people, also as Christians, we're not the only ones. There are a lot of us out there, and uh, and and so it's it's both encouraging and discouraging for me. I was talking about this with someone yesterday. I was doing an interview for Church of Cowards, my new book which is in stores now. And I was talking about this, how it's sort of encouraging and discouraging when I go out and I talk to people and I discover all these many people who feel the same way that I do on, on, on all these, all these issues. Uh, or I, I get emails from people. So that's the encouraging part is knowing that I'm not alone, which is the feeling that you have. Right. But then also it's a little bit discouraging because I think, well, if there's so many of us that are sane and rational and have a, have a, a clear moral sense about so many of these issues, then why are things the way they are in the culture? We talk about the silent majority, and we, we say that proudly. We say that conservatives are the silent majority. 
Well, it's it's nice to know in one hand that if we are the silent majority, that there's a majority. But why are we silent? It just makes it all the more pitiful. And that goes to Church of Cowards. That's why I wrote the book. That we're cowards. That we're the majority, but we've allowed this to happen. I talk the things I talk about all the time with the drag queens and the and the, the gender stuff. I I absolutely believe I know that the majority of people are not on board with this, yet it's happening. And why is that? Why are we letting this happen when we have the numbers on our side? And I don't want to hear anything about oh, the elites, they have all the power. No, if we were to rise up and speak out and actually use our numbers to our advantage, this stuff would not be happening. A drag queen story hour happening in a town where 90% of the people think it's crazy well, if that 90% would speak up and maybe get out of their houses and off their butts and even show up to the library to let their voices be heard and to make it clear how they feel, it wouldn't happen. I feel the same way when I when I get emails, if I'm talking about some controversial subject and I take a position, I'm getting a lot of backlash and I'll get all these private messages and emails from people saying, hey, I agree with you. I agree with what you're saying about it. I just want to let you know. Thumbs up. Keep it going. And I think, thank you for the encouragement. Why are you whispering it to me behind the bushes? Okay, why are you, why are you saying, Psh, come here, come here, let me tell you something. Shh, shh, come here, come here. I agree. And it's like I'm in the middle of a, of a pitchfork mob and they're bearing down. And then there's someone hiding behind, hiding behind, a, hiding in an alley over there. And they, they, they motion me over. Hey, I agree with you. Keep it up, champ. And then they run off. It's like, well, thank you, but it may be publicly, if you were to say that, that'd be kind of nice. I understand people have jobs and things. Unlike me, I don't have a job. So that's something you have to, to have to uh, factor in as well. But, but still, um, uh, yes, I guess my point is, Patrick, that we're not alone, that there are a lot of us out there, which is encouragement, but it's also our shame that we have allowed the, the culture to become what it is, despite the fact that most of us know it's wrong. Let's go to um, Cuba. Cuba, I'm not sure. It's with a K, K-U-B-A. So, uh, most eminent and sublime Matt, my humble personage bows before your grandeur. Have you heard of the song The Man by Taylor Swift? If not, you should watch it on YouTube. The song is so good at portraying what a man is and does that I figure that you might find some inspiration in it. Personally, I've been playing this song on repeat uh, because it speaks the truth of how a man acts in many ways. Uh, I fall short of the standard outlined by Swift. She makes an excellent point when she states that uh, I'm sick of running as fast as I can, wondering if I'd get there quicker if I was a man. To that I say, yes, yes, you would, be, you would because men are built physically faster, fi- built physically to run faster. What a wonderful insight. Okay, let me, yeah, I, I thought I played this song on the air. I'm sorry if I didn't because it's such a wonderful song. Let me, let me play a quick clip of this. It's a new, new music video from Taylor Swift, a song called The Man where she dresses up as a man and is talking about trying to show all the, all, the, all the terrible things that men are able to do. So watch this. You can tell the song itself is just a terrible song, which is what we've come to expect of Taylor Swift, especially in recent years. But she dressed up as a man. We see her on a subway, of course, doing the man spread with her, with her legs wide open. Yeah, that's a man, all right. That's, that's how men act. All men, Right. And uh, by the way, as I've tried to explain in the past, I don't want to get into 
graphic detail. Okay, I'm not going to give a whole anatomy lesson here, but for feminists that don't understand why men don't sit the same way that women sit, it's because we do have different body parts, which makes it so that we uh, are going to sit a little bit differently from you. But anyway, so Taylor Swift's got the man spread, and she's got her arm around as a man. He's, quote unquote, got his, his arm around uh, uh, the person next to him, and she's smoking a cigar on the subway and then ashing out into a woman's purse next to her. And then she comes out and she pees in the middle of the subway station, which that does happen, but usually it's the homeless people doing that. Yeah, that's what you say. I mean, we see that all the time on subway, right? A guy, a man smoking a cigar on the train, tapping the ashes into a woman's purse. Totally normal, yeah. But this is how feminists see men. This is a, as, as, as cartoon. We, we're cartoons to them. And that's why they're so bitter about men. Because they don't understand a single damn thing about men. Now, how do you think that? Do you think a, a male artist could make a video like that about women? All of the annoying things women do? You think a man could get away with that? Well, the first problem is that the, that the song would be way too long. The song would be six and a half hours long and nobody's going to listen to that. So that'd be the first problem. But nobody would, he, he couldn't get away with it. Only women can do that. Finally, this is from Sarah. Uh, this uh, telling me this is this is the why I'm wrong email of the day. Um, not the most important issue in the world, but you know you got to keep me. And this is what I say, and I, I encourage the emails telling me why I'm wrong. And it doesn't have to be just. You got to keep me honest. So if I make any mistake at all in your mind, let me know. And that's what Sarah's doing here. It says, dear Matt, you are wrong about the fairy godmother in the Cinderella reboot. This character will not be called the thing as you postulated. Indeed. They've already determined the name of this genderless being, Fab G. The actor slated for the genderless role, Billy Porter, claimed, quote, it hit me when I saw on the set last week how profound it is that I am playing the fairy godmother. Yes, profound. Deeply profound. They call it the Fab G. Magic has no gender. This is a classic fairy tale for a new generation. I think that the new generation is really ready. The kids are ready. It's the grownups that are slowing stuff down. Sarah continues, I'm sure this was an honest error on your part, but please be sure to tread a bit more lightly on such serious topics going forward. Fab G. Okay. You got me on that one. I was wrong. Doesn't happen often. And that does give me an idea for when my kids get older and they have kids of their own. I don't want to be called grandpa. I want to be called Fab G. Because when you see me, it's the first thing you think, right, is fabulous. You look up fabulous in the dictionary, you're going to see my face. Uh, and we'll leave it there. Hope you guys all have a great weekend. Buy the book, Church of Cowards. Godspeed. If you enjoyed this episode, don't forget to subscribe. And if you want to help spread the word, please give us a five-star review. Tell your friends to subscribe as well. We're available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you listen to podcasts, we're there. Also, be sure to check out the other Daily Wire podcasts, including The Ben Shapiro Show, Michael Knowles Show, and The Andrew Clavin Show. Thanks for listening. The Matt Walsh Show is produced by Sean Hampton. Executive producer, Jeremy Boring. Supervising producer, Mathis Glover. Supervising producer, Robert Sterling. Technical producer, Austin Stevens. Editor, Danny D'Amico. Audio mixer, Robin Fenderson. The Matt Wall Show is a Daily Wire production. Copyright Daily Wire 2020. If you prefer facts over feelings, aren't offended by the brutal truth, and you can still laugh at the insanity filling our national news cycle, well, tune in to The Ben Shapiro Show. We'll get a whole lot of that and much more. See you there.